driving bass of that song more or the sweet saxophone. Calvin, what do you think? Oh, the sweet sax, there's no question. No question. You know, I I do like that bass line though. It's it's nice and simple and it keeps the keeps the beat going. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on in. My name is Matt Rory. That's Calvin Chamberlain. This is Careless Whispers and you're listening to CLNS Radio. I don't know how you're listening to us, but you should be listening to us on our mobile app. So go download it on iTunes or on Google Play if you have an Android device, like I do. Um, First, before we get into anything, I want to tell everybody about something new that's happening here, Calvin. I don't even know if you're aware of it yet. You know, we're doing pregame shows for every Celtics game now. I had no idea. We're doing pre and post? We are. Well, not we, necessarily. Larry H. Russell of Celtics Beat is going to be doing a pregame show for every single Celtics game going forward for the end, the rest of the season, into the playoffs, and probably next year as well. We're already leading online coverage of the Celtics, and now we're even more comprehensive because from the postgame show that we already do to Jared Weiss's Garden Report, to LHR's Celtics beat, like I just mentioned. We're going to have game day coverage before anyone else leading up to tip-off. So check out the all-new Boston Celtics pregame show with LHR. It's going to be released on CLNS Radio every game day at 4 p.m. Eastern. So again, it'll be the first pregame show to air anywhere, whether it's broadcast networks or radio or anything like that. It's the first pregame show that you can get. Uh, for the Celtics. Uh, download the CLNS Radio mobile app today, and you won't miss the next one, which is Thursday against the Bucks. Check that out. Um, how do you feel about that, Calvin? What do you think? Well, nobody knows more about basketball than L.A. Tried. Didn't he write a book about the Celtics? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wrote, a, he wrote a book, and he tells everybody about how he's so knowledgeable on the Celtics. So it's it's a great addition to the the post-game Experience and now we're or the post game show I should say because it's going under that brand, but it's a it's a pre game show and he's gonna he's gonna uh, record everything and he's gonna have guests. It's gonna be fun. Look, Ray, he would know better than me whether or not he knows about the Celtics. I've never even heard him talk. So the man says he knows the Celtics. Who am I to call him a liar? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who are you? I'm just a humble guy. I'm just Calvin Chamberlain. Just a humble guy, Calvin Chamberlain. Just a humble guy with a fake name. Fake name? I dare you. <laughs> uh, nope, nope. Um, 
you can give us a call out there if you're listening and you feel like checking in and saying hello at 323-642-1484. And those numbers that I just threw out there make up our SeatGeek call lines. That's right. Our call line number is sponsored by SeatGeek.com now. We are just going all over the map, aren't we? <clears throat> we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, for now, we we lead off our show with a with a Celtics topic, Calvin, and it's just, it's somewhat interesting one. We're not going to talk about how much, how well they're playing or how poorly they actually just played in the last two out of three games. We're not going to talk about Marcus Smart making a bad decision last night and potentially losing or having a big big factor in losing the game last night against uh, Minnesota. We're not going to talk about that. Nope. No, uh, don't want to. We are going to talk about the fact that Danny Ainge reportedly offered the uh, Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Brooklyn pick to Philadelphia for Jaleel Okafor this year. The 2016 Brooklyn draft pick that people are predicting to be in the top three or four, Ainge thinks that Okafor is that, that type of player. And before you go your direction, I just want to say that we've already seen rumors that Ainge in the past have has offered the farm for a guy like Justice Winslow in the draft. So maybe he just feels that Okafor is better than any of the prospects that are coming out unless you get that number one pick. Yeah. <clears throat> I, 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 several directions I want to go with this. First of all, and maybe you know a little bit more than me. It, this would be a good time for for Mad, Mad Dog if you're out there listening. Turns out you are, but if you are, you know, maybe, maybe you can give us a call and talk about some of the other guys on this draft. But my understanding is that, yeah, outside of Okafor and maybe Brandon Ingram, it's supposedly a, a pretty weak draft, right? So I guess my, my first question is like. This whole time, you know, we've been talking about up to the trade deadline about moving the Brooklyn pick uh, or, or not moving the Brooklyn pick unless you can get somebody back like DeMarcus Cousins. But but really, is that is that overthinking it, Rory? Because what are, what are the chances that they get a top two pick if let's say the Nets finish at fourth? Their chances are like are like ten percent for a top two pick, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Uh, because, yeah, because you still have to move up. The teams in front of them still are, are favorite. They still have to win the lottery. They still have to win the lottery regardless yeah. of how high up the pick is. Even if it's number one, they still have to win the lottery. Who's to say that Phoenix doesn't jump yeah. in there or New Orleans doesn't jump in there for as bad as they've been this year? Who knows? And, and, and even beyond that, are we are we sure that uh, are we sure that Ben Simmons is a superstar? Are we sure, Ray? Are you ever sure? He went to LSU. He, he's. I mean, I've seen right? a little bit of LSU. He, he looks. He looks athletic. I need to know. Are we sure that he? Has, are we sure that he has a drive? He, I don't know. I just remember uh, just harking back to what the drive. It's what, funny what, you say that. Harking back to last year when when Andrew Wiggins was being compared to LeBron. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I do I remember that. Like, well, you know what. It's it's funny you say that because Ben Simmons is actually from Australia, even though he's going to LSU. And one of the prominent radio hosts uh, on terrestrial radio around here has a uh, conspiracy theory, if you will. And he'll, he'll actually come right out and say it, that he thinks Australians are soft. Australian athletes are soft. So 
maybe he doesn't have that drive. Maybe maybe if if you ask that particular person, he'd say well, probably not. He's Australian, so not to uh, stereotype Australian people. I'm stealing that from someone else, but um, maybe maybe it's right. For one, how does he account for one Andrew James Bogan? Andrew James Bogan. No, not soft. Not soft at all. What about? But wait, uh, isn't isn't Bogut from New Zealand? Uh, he said he was from Australia. Uh, no, you're right. He's from Melbourne. He's you're right. You're right. He's from Melbourne. I thought he was from New Zealand. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, either way, um, that's a that's an opinion of somebody else and not necessarily me. But it's still, uh, Simmons is a freshman, and who knows? Jabari Parker was supposed to be that superstar type of player too, right? Look what's happened to him in the first couple of years that he's been in the league. Not much. He got hurt, and he's he's had a rough go of it since then. He, he's not a good fit there in Milwaukee. He can't really play with Giannis. But no, uh, but that's, that's not that's the, that's not the point though. I mean, if you want to take the best player, sure, the Celtics could use a big man like Ben Simmons. That's that's uh, that would be great. But if you're gonna stick him in a place where he wouldn't fit in, then maybe maybe he doesn't develop as well. Take the Celtics out of it for a moment, you know. It's it's all it's all a matter of fitting in and I think knowing your role. I was talking to Justin Poulin about Kelly Olynyk last night on the on the Celtics post game show, Calvin, and we were trying to think of how many other teams in the league would be able to utilize Kelly Olynyk like the Celtics do, because he's not a stud scorer. He only gets ten points a game. He doesn't rebound very well. He is not a great defender, but what he does is shoot well and he spreads the floor. So. We were trying to think about it, and I, I, I couldn't come up with many teams that would sort of that, are, that would sort of run things the way the Celtics do. Sure, it's it's the model of the defending champs to do things like that, but are teams really doing that throughout the league? I, I feel like they're they're probably not. So the point of it, of that is a guy like Kelly Olynyk looks really good on the Celtics. If he goes to twenty of the other thirty teams, he's probably not that not that good. Yeah, I mean, it is sometimes hard to evaluate talent in that respect. You're right, and it is. I mean, that's the function of coaching is to, is to sort of maximize that skill set. You look at a guy like not that I ever thought Dion Waiters was good, but you look at Dion Waiters with the Cavs with him and Kyrie running, and he, he was putting up offense. He hasn't done anything in Oklahoma City. You know, yep, you're right. Nothing I, at all. I think how guys fit. So swinging it back around to Jahil Okafor. Yes. Yeah, I guess it's interesting to me for a number. Like the reason I was questioning the value of this of this Brooklyn pick, like maybe Ainge should have thrown it out more. And apparently, if if this trade is to believe is to be believed, you know, maybe he did. But I just I just feel like we've been talking about it this whole time. But you know, we we could be ta- we we could be you know hyping up a pick that is like number five, and you know we draft that. Who knows? Like it might not. It it, it might be you know a guy who's not nearly as good as the top seven guys you have on your team now. So it's like, it's who, and maybe it's not. Maybe it goes the other way for you. But, like, the the odds are sort of against that. And it's, it's I guess, the, the mindset of holding on to it, it, it's funny to me in retrospect. But, um, as far, yeah, so so making, operating for, for Okafor makes sense, except that how do you feel about Shaheel Okafor as a player? I mean, I think, um, I think, I think because he's, 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 he's getting value there, but I'm not sure that I love it. 
I think he's been much better recently. Uh, I still think he he has a rebounding issue. He's getting rebounds, it seems, because he's big. I, I don't think that he's putting the effort into into rebounding every night. Um, so that's that's something that, that would concern me a little bit. I'm not sure if his effort is there every night. But there are, are nights where he looks amazing. There are nights where, where he takes the, the challenge head on and he looks like like he's going to be a great NBA player. Um, I mean, just the other night against Dallas, he scored 31 points on 63% shooting. And he's had a couple double-doubles sprinkled throughout the past few weeks. But before that, he was very inconsistent. And uh, his his free-throw shooting was not very good, and it's, it's a little bit better now. But the, the ball seems – he seems to be – it seems to stick when it when it hits his hands in, uh, in off on the offense from what I've seen, and to me that's not that's not what you really want. I don't I don't know. He's he's a he's a post player, but he's not good enough to good enough yet I should say to allow the ball to just stick on him when it when it gets down in the paint. It, it's got to keep moving, and they need to find a better way to use him. I think in Philadelphia, but. Um, he he has been scoring as of late. That's that's for sure. I guess my issue is that he's a disaster defensively, and this your center, he, he's you know, so slow. I mean, I'm not sure that you can mold a guy like that into a good player outside of sort of trying to make him a specialist. Sort of like, you know, Kelly Olenek, even though Kelly Olenek at this point is a better defensive player than he was before. That's the kind of defense that we're talking about with this guy. Uh, so I don't. You, you're right. He has a lot of great instincts, but I do feel like the ball does stick. He's not a great passer, and he's a terrible defensive player. But on the, at the same time, just expected value. He was the number two pick in last year's draft. I'm sorry, number three pick. And you know that's probably more value than you're likely to get out of that Brooklyn pick. I guess that's what made me start thinking about the value of that in the first place. Whatever you get back. Yeah, I think I think it makes sense, and you know what? I mean, that's in re, in retrospect, that's that's probably that would have been okay with me. I would have been fine with Ainge going after a, a player like that who looks like he's improving already, and that that uh, is is a guarantee to be that type of stud player as a to your odds favorite the odds favoring the Celtics to drop to like third or fourth in the in the draft, especially if you don't like a player like that uh, prior to. Prior to this, I probably would have questioned it a little bit, but I, I nobody had nobody had mentioned that before uh, the the trade deadline, so we didn't really talk about it then. So I can't really yeah. speculate on what I how I would have felt at the time, but I would guess that I would have probably said no. But in retrospect, I think I probably would say yes. So let me let me make it a little more interesting here. What if, what if it, instead of Jaheel, it was Jabari? Um, that one's tough for me because I was clamoring for a for a wing scorer. I just I'm not sold on what he's done, and like you said, he's playing with Antetokounmpo, so maybe that has something to do with it. He gets squashed a little bit. His injury definitely has something to do with it. Um, but I was never really sold on him as a player in the first place. So I'm probably still a no on Jabari Parker. Hate to say it, because it right, contradicts what I just said about Okafor. So, <laughs> but that is what it Great. is. Okay. All right. I, th- I think that's it. We need a bell or something. Uh, to wait. A what happened here? Some sort of weird. 
is going on. Are we still connected? I guess I am. Um, I need to get back to the studio here for a second. The, the studio's blank. Oh, here we go. That's better. I don't know what was going on there, Calvin. That was very strange. Everything was blank. Your name wasn't up there. Nothing was up there. Um, we need a gong. I'll just use this. There's the gong for tonight. Uh, next. Could have been. <laughs> next is um, more basketball talk. This one's probably going to be pretty quick. It, it's it, former Celtics player, and I wish I had this bumper. I don't. Delonte West is in some trouble, or seemingly in some trouble here, Calvin. Why don't you explain where he was found? Uh, apparently, he was found at a jack-in-the-box outside of Houston. Great, my Google Chrome just uh, just failed. So everything uh, <laughs> I pulled up is now uh, closed. But uh, yeah, he was oh. found in a, in a jack-in-the-box outside of Houston, um, apparently wearing what appeared to be like a hospital gown and no shoes. Uh, a man, you know, asked him if he was Delonte West, and he said, "I used to be." Oh man! And uh, yeah, he uh, Delonte allowed him to take two pictures with him. Delonte's eyes were closed in both pictures, and the guy asked him, "What happened to you?" And Delonte West just said, "Life." Life happens to him. Ooh, I'm not about that life anymore. Yikes! That is some scary stuff because he was a he was a decent basketball player but um he, he definitely had some demons he had some mental disorders too or diagnosed with them anyway i don't know if he's i mean clearly he, he probably hasn't conquered them and i don't know what it takes to get somebody like that uh help to have them conquer those demons but it's a sad it's a sad day for delante west I have long loved Delonte West. He's been a favorite of mine. I used to hope that the Lakers would get him when during that time period after he was on the Celtics and he, Dallas sort of was picking him up and letting him go. And you know, I feel I feel like people are going to like use this as an opportunity to make fun of him, but like it was a serious issue. The guy has mental issues. That you know he was still a good player when he uh, his, his mental issues basically you know forced him out of the NBA lifestyle. I remember a couple of years ago he he like tweeted that he was getting a job at Home Depot. He was like putting pride to the side or something like that. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I feel bad for the guy, and it's, yeah, it's sad to me that like he's in. Apparently he's got no money. He's in Texas. Who knows what's up with his with his girlfriend and his kid? Yeah. So I don't have a time to say on this other than, you know, I I, I feel one. I feel like it, it makes me feel like the shouldn't the league like have a better structure in place, like be in their health care. Or there's got to be there's got to be some way they can help a guy like Delonte out, right? The fact that he's I mean, like, you would you would think. I just uh, it's I mean it's am tough I expecting too much it's here? tough it's I don't know but it's tough because maybe maybe they have offered that to him you can't sort of blame the league on this one without knowing whether whether he's gone through any of their programs or what the, what was what was offered to him at the time 
Um, I, I know that they that, that they pride themselves on helping retired players and things like that, and, and having this big family. But I I don't know how Delonte West sort of got pushed to the wayside here. I mean, you've seen it with other guys in the past, not as far as getting this low, being in a jack-in-the-box with, with no shoes on, but Antoine Walker is a name that went bankrupt for game, with gambling issues, and um, Sean Kemp has had his problems. Vin Baker had had a lot of issues for a lot of times, and these are just guys that I can think of being a Celtics fan, hearing their names in the news. Um, so you do hear these guys, hear the names of these guys drop dropped at times for being down in the dumps and being losing their money, but nothing like this, nothing like Delonte West. He's really fallen off quite a quite a cliff. I guess, I guess to me, there's a difference between you know losing all your money through being socially irresponsible and having a serious mental illness that it seems like it's you know affecting his ability to function. And you know, uh what was the name of the uh the the guy that Houston drafted uh a couple of years ago? You know what I'm talking about, who couldn't fly? Yeah, like I do know who you're talking about. his name is uh slipping my mind. White, no. Um something white it is white. It's something white. I can't remember I can't remember his name, but it just seemed like the team was working hard to sort of try to get him to work with the issues. Royce White. Royce White. Royce White, yeah. And it it, it doesn't appear that, that the same support system has been in place for Delonte. And maybe, I don't want to sell everybody out because I think Mark Cuban, you know, really tried to, uh, you know, get him to, to join the match. I know they gave him an apartment uh, across the street from the arena. And he, he was trying to work work with him and sort of get him back in, into mental health, but like maybe the league needs to sort of take a, a firmer hand in the in the mental health of their players. I don't know. I could just be talking out of my ass, but it's something to think about in any case. Are you muted, Ray? Uh, I am. Good call. Um, I was just saying that it's a, he does have a family, so it's a sad situation, especially if you go see these pictures. It is definitely Delonte West, and uh, he definitely looks messed up. So just Google it. It's on the dailymail.co.k. So. Um, up next... Let's uh, let's get a snack. Okay, Rex. Um, Kyrie Irving was not hungry the other night because he had a battle with some nasty uh, bed sheets in Oklahoma City. He wasn't hungry, but those bed bugs were hungry. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like that? Like that thing, right? It's good. I like it. Tied right into that that drop there. It's good stuff. Um, yeah. So apparently, there's only like two hotels where you can stay at in Oklahoma City, and most NBA teams sort of always stay at this uh, supposedly haunted hotel that's really famous in town. Uh, I mean, only a couple of nice hotels. I'm sure there's motel fixes all over. You know, sure. Oklahoma City, but 
Yes. Uh, yeah, only a couple of nights nice hotels. So one of them is just hiding place. Uh, Kyrie Irving was staying there, and he claims to have gotten bed bugs, even though the the next day the hotel went and checked and there, and there were no bed bugs. Uh, Kyrie says he only slept uh, like three hours and felt some tightness in his back, so he decided not to play. Rudy, have you ever experienced bed bugs? No, I've never experienced bed bugs, but my former roommate's girlfriend had bed bugs in her apartment because one of her roommates brought them home. Uh, so they went through quite an ordeal. I, I did live vicariously through them for a day or two, I guess. Weekend, if you will. So, okay, it lasted a week. So bed bugs don't last for a long time or you could get rid of them. You get rid of them quickly, but you can't be in the in the in the place. They have to fumigate. Uh, you have to. You you can't get rid of them quickly. And if they do get on you, they will jump around and they will go with you from place to place. So you need to make sure that that all of your belongings that they might attach to are out of there as well, and, and just out of the situation. So yeah, you can't be in in the house for long for that whole time. Uh, but yeah, if, you can get get rid of them fairly quickly. Here's the thing. I'm sure they were annoying. I'm sure they were itchy and probably even slightly painful. But am I am I crazy to say that like it doesn't seem like a good reason to miss a game with Oklahoma City? Uh, Calvin, if especially if the if the hotel is coming out and saying that there are no bed bugs, uh, then you you don't just get the bed bugs and then they're gone. You get them and they're still there, and then you bring them somewhere else as well. It, they don't just bite you in the night and then go away, scurry off into the into the wall or something. They're still there. They have they would have to fumigate the whole thing. They'd have to they'd have to gut the whole room or whatever, and just get it up. And probably maybe even the whole floor. It depends on how the hotel is set up, but they may have to fumigate the entire floor of that hotel. Uh, who knows with, with the vents and all that. Yeah. So it would be quite an ordeal if they had bed bugs, I think. And isn't it not quite possible, because I've had this conversation with people multiple times, there's a fast difference between having a bug or bugs in your bed and having bed bugs. You yes. know what I mean? Like you can wake up in the morning yes. with bites all over your back that don't necessarily mean that you have bed bugs. Like, right. Um, you're right. I'm, I'm, you might, you might have a couple spiders. You might have a, a spider or two right. living in there. Yeah. But in any case, unless those bites make him sick, I don't know. It just seems a little soft to me. Am I being, am I being unreasonable? Personally, big game against Oklahoma City. Now they Cleveland won anyway. Congrats to them. But if I'm with Vaughn, I'm like, seriously, bed bugs? Suck it up. I mean, I think, I think he's, I think he's soft. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's what I'm saying. Uh, right. Guess guess where Kyrie Irving was born. I had to refresh this because I thought it was still Andrew Bogut. It's Melbourne, Australia. He's soft. He's from Australia. Oh, Kyrie Irving was born in Australia, really? That's what right. that's what Wikipedia says. Now you're gonna have to give me a list of dudes born in Australia. We want to find out. Basketball players from Australia. Yeah, give me a list of basketball players from Australia. Aaron Professional? Yeah, he probably is. Uh, athletes. 
from Australia. Dante Exum? Exum, yeah. He's okay. yeah. there. I'm trying to see how many I can name. Let's Did see. Matthew these Delvedova? Guys... Delvedova's from Australia, oh, right? this is not the right type of thing. Um, I'm not sure. Sh- no, I'm not sure. Some of these guys might be from New Zealand. Oh, there's some baseball players from Australia, too. Let's see. We don't care about those guys. No, we don't care about those guys. This website looks like it might be pretty good, but it's not loading. Australia date, 2015. No, that's not good. All right, let's try this again. My my uh, my Google was too broad. There we All go. All right, what do you have to do? So Delavadova was was there. You are correct. I I have a list of fifteen players all time. Um, all time. And this all time. This is based. This is from BasketballReference.com, and it's fifteen players born in Australia. I will go in order of. Um, Points per game, starting with the lowest. Okay, how about that? This will be fun. Okay. Yeah, we'll see if you can if you know any of these guys. Cameron Barstow. Two uh, thirty-three games in the NBA. Mark Bradkey, thirty-six games in the NBA. Andrew Gaze, twenty-six games. Luke Schencher, you remember him? I'm a big Schencher head. You do you really remember Luke Schencher? You know, I just like his name. Uh, you don't remember Luke Schencher. He uh, went to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Uh, I remember him back back in the day going up against North Carolina and things like that. Anyway, Shane Heal played 49 games in the NBA. Uh, Nathan nope. Jawai played 45 games in the NBA. And now we're getting nope. into the, the, the players that have actually played some, some time in the NBA or are about to play some time in the NBA. Joe Ingles... You know oh, yeah. him? Mm-hmm. Joe, yep. Okay. Dante Exum. Yeah. Uh, David Anderson played 103 games in the NBA, and he is still in the NBA, I believe. I'm not sure who he's playing for right now. Maybe he's not. No, David Anderson. Sorry, no. Out of the league. Uh, he played in 2000. He, he played in, yeah, he played in 2009. Anyway, let's keep on moving. Chris Anstey, he played for the Hornets, New Orleans. Or it looks like a Hornets jersey. Yeah, that's a Hornets jersey. And uh, a little bit for Toronto and a little bit for Houston. Um, you remember Chris Anstey? Yeah, I remember Chris Anstey. Anstey? You don't remember Chris Anstey? He played 155 games. Played for the the Bulls in Dallas. Nope. No? Nope. Not not there? Nope. Uh, not there. By the way, we, we're still not... Oh, we just cracked the five points per game mark in the NBA. Chris Anstey averages 5.2 points per game, or averaged. Uh, now, number five Australian player in the NBA, all-time Matthew Delavadova, number five, 5.6 points per game. Number four, and you're going to know all four of these next guys. you got to know Luke Longley, Calvin. Remember him? Of course I know Luke Longley. Of course you know Luke Longley. Okay, number three is the is the one and only Patty Mills. Oh, Patty Mills. That's the only one I missed, right? There so you they, go. And then the, wait, the two we've already mentioned. Baines? The two we've Baines already mentioned. Is not Australian? Baines is not Australian. I believe Baines is, is probably from New Zealand. I'll look him up right now. But 
Um, you get those guys confused. But yeah, the other two are the ones we've mentioned, Andrew Bogut and, of course, Kyrie Irving with like 26 points per game. Best ever Australian player, I would say, right? Aaron uh, Baines, Gisborne, New Zealand, my friend. Try again. That hurts. That hurts. I knew one of them so, was in here. So, anyway, now, that was a, a little so fun. Is, name me the top New Zealand player. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a fun little uh, little reference. Yeah. I wonder if this works. If you just do NZ. It work. There are four all-time from New Zealand. All right. Aaron Baines is number two, Calvin. Who's <laughs> <laughs> number one? Stephen Adams. Oh, Stephen Adams. had no yes, idea he was from New Zealand. Steven Adams from New, Ze- New Zealand. Uh, Kirk Penny played six games in the NBA, and you know this guy, too. 11 years in the NBA from New Zealand, Sean Marks. Sean Marks. New GM of the Brooklyn Nets, Sean Marks. New Zealand guy. Probably the first New Zealander to ever be an NBA GM. I'm sure they're excited down there. What, Danny Ferry's not from New Zealand? No, Danny Ferry is not from New Zealand. All right, well, I have to take your word for it. All right, well, there was a little impromptu Australia-New Zealand game that we just played. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Prompted by Kyrie Irving and the bedbugs. Another sort of basketball story, if you want to call it that, (laughs) comes straight out of New York, nowhere else. Uh, I think their coach has been taking some tips from J.R. Smith, Calvin. Um, your old buddy, Kurt Rambis, has got himself in a, a mess of trouble here. His his Twitter account was hacked. Can you believe it? Well, like uh, like the constant hacking of celebrities and pseudo celebrities in this country, getting out of control, right? Like. You notice that people are always hacking other people's Twitter accounts to do mundane things like, like a random picture. And yeah, I don't know. I I feel like if I were to hack Kurt Rambis's account, I would just tweet out something mean about Carmelo. You know what I mean? Something that like. So let's let's just set the, let's let's set the stage here for people that don't know. Kurt Rambis is the interim head coach of the New York Knicks after a, another ex-Laker, Derek Fisher, was fired because he was going around uh, sleeping with players' wives and things like that, supposedly, allegedly, and I believe it. Um, now Kurt Rambis is out there, and he has um, he's liked a photo on Twitter that is an X-rated photo, and he also follows uh, an X-rated account on Twitter. And to this I say, good for him. He's an idiot for doing it with with his verified account. Leave the guy alone and let his wife handle it. Let his wife deal with it. Let him explain it to his wife. Because you know what, Calvin? He can get drugged through, dragged through the mud and through the media as much as possible. But he still has to go home and explain to her why this is, is in the news. And now her name is going to be dragged through the mud as well. Because people are going to look and wonder what's going on with her. So instead of just saying that you were hacked, go away, just 
Go explain it to your wife, Kurt Rambis, and just leave us alone. I, I I don't I don't know why people are making a big deal out of this. He's it, to me he's in more trouble with his with his family than he is with the the, the national public. Are you kidding me? Should he should he be there? I've got a couple of passages. First of all, well, uh, no, that's that's started. the other that's the other thing. That, that, so that's not for us to decide either. If if I were his wife, I'd say whatever. You're an idiot. Uh, but it, so but that's what I'm saying though. She should be the one to to handle it however she wants to. If she thinks there's a problem, then let them deal with it. This doesn't need to be thrown out there in the me- in, in like the, the the news. This is not a big deal. You know, well, no, it's not. A, a couple of thoughts I have on this. One, I just saw a headline that made me angry that said, "It's." A, I'm just going to read it to you from the New York Daily News. Rambus Twitter incident is embarrassed Zen for Knicks. Embarrassed Zen. That's an embarrassing headline as far as I'm concerned. All right, one. Two, here's the thing. Like, in, in 2016, do we, do we still have to pretend that guys... Uh, the guys don't like porn. Is it really that much of like a stigma for for like look guys like porn? It's not like it's, it's not like there was a snuff film. He just he he liked the porn. My bigger issue with it is the fact that he he Twitter liked a porn account and followed another porn. One one these these are picture accounts which I I find <laughs> a little odd. And two like the fact that he's like following. A point Twitter account rather than just like googling pictures and going on there. It, it's to me, it's a it's a little bit like the equivalent of like of like guy A who like goes to goes to a strip club and gets lap dances. Like that's that's like if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But but guy B is like the guy who also goes to strip clubs, but like knows the names of all the strippers and like specifically asks for candy. That's essentially like what I what I feel like liking a, liking a porn account and like subscribing to someone's picture Twitter account is. It's like going to the strip club and like you know, it's like an extra level of creepiness. It's, it's, it's going not, to the strip club and and just ordering a drink and just hanging out at the bar and taking a look around. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's like knowing the names of everybody who works there and like like fist bumping the DJ when you go in. It's like taking your enjoyment of porn to a degree that makes me uncomfortable. So that's that's really my biggest problem with this. And uh, other, other than the stupidity issue, which is like it's it's funny to me that he has no idea how Twitter works. That he like he thinks that he's going to be able to like follow somebody and not have it turn into a media story in the in New York particularly is hilarious. Like I don't know. You're right. It is between him and his wife whether or not she wants to get mad at him. Hope, hopefully not. It is funny that like that you know when he was asked about it, he didn't say he was hacked. He just said oh. uh, he, he just said it's say? unfortunate that it happened. I dealt with it and moved on. I'm sorry. What was that? I was just asking what he had said. So, for the purposes of the of the show and for research, I have gone. Uh, I'm now at the the Twitter website that that uh, he was following, and um, this this site. I, I, I'm trying to see who is following this this site as well. There are 485,000 people following this account, and um, the the first one is an egg. The sixth one is an egg, and by an egg I mean somebody who has an account with no picture and no real name, it seems. There are eggs all over this, and or uh, men that are clearly okay with 
with uh, the, what's going on because they're making it very known in their their um, profile pictures here that they're okay with uh, a, a Twitter account like this. But for the most part, Calvin, they it looks like there are a lot of fake accounts or um, just people that aren't showing their face that are following this account that uh, Kurt Rambis decided to follow. So the, my point is there are a lot of ways that he could have gone about following this account without actually following it from his verified Twitter account. He could have just gone to the site every day if he wanted to do that. See what I did there? Uh, and it's it just, I just don't, I just don't understand. Some people are just are so incompetent when it comes to this stuff and, and then they get themselves in trouble. But for the most part, I don't think he should be in trouble. Who cares? Let him let him deal with it with his family, you know? Yeah, who cares is right. I mean, it, it is embarrassing for him and for the Knicks, which I sort of find hilarious, but, like, he didn't actually do anything that bothers me in any way except for, like, like what I said, being a, being a little too creepy with his Internet uh, decisions. But that's between him and his wife. Bum, 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 bum. Mm, I haven't hit a button in a while. Because I'm pissed off for greatness. <clears throat> uh, you know who else is pissed off? Or who was pissed off? And then really sad. And then pissed off again? Ronda Rousey. Is that, is that, a, is that a bad link? Yep. Bad connection? Yeah. Yeah. Bad segue. Shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have done it. You know what I should have done instead, actually, is told people that today's podcast is powered by Audible.com. Because I should have told you at the beginning of the show that Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 180,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction and nonfiction, and periodicals, too. If you want to just check out a magazine, maybe read the newspaper, hear the newspaper, I should say. Audiobooks are great to listen to when you're driving around, running errands, maybe you're at the gym, you're hanging out on the couch, who knows. For our audience members, we're offering you a 30-day free trial with Audible, so go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics and browse the 200,000 audio programs that they have. Get a free title today and start listening. It's very easy, very, very easy. Uh, you should definitely consider checking out Bob Ryan's book, Scribe. He has been on CLNS Radio before. He's a sports beat legend here in Boston, and he is narrating his own book. So go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics and download Scribe, narrated by Bob Ryan himself, when you use your 30-day free trial. Again, audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics to start your free trial today. <clears throat> now we move on to Ronda Rousey, Calvin. And I definitely shouldn't have went gone into this subject uh, lightly because it is not a light subject. It is very heavy. That's not a pun either. Um, Ronda Rousey was on Ellen and that's not a joke either even though I wish I could m just make jokes about being on Ellen all day wouldn't that be a show? We, maybe we should have an hour of doing Ellen DeGeneres jokes what do you think? I don't have a lot so I'd, I'd have to write some up before we, before we do the show uh, anyway um Again, there I go, trying to make light of a situation that should not be made light of. Made light of? Yeah. Um, Ronda Rousey was very upset after her loss to Holly Holm, 
and she was saying, or she said that she had suicidal thoughts, and she was sitting there asking if she would should just kill herself. Now, my initial take on this was that the fact that she overcame those thoughts makes her a normal, rational person. It's it's when you give in to those thoughts that that I would I would assume there is some sort of a mental problem there because honestly Calvin th- those thoughts have crossed my mind before but I've never acted on them nor even thought that I would ever act on them I I've I've seen depression I've been through it and it's just I would I would never even in those moments I I never would have even come close to to doing the harm necessary to to kill myself, but I would be a liar if I told you that those thoughts would, ha, had never crossed my mind before. You know what I mean? So I, I feel, as far as Ronda Rousey's concerned, the fact that she came out and said something about it just just proves that she does have her head on straight and, and that she's fine. So I understand that it's an emotional situation for her, but it's. It, I guess maybe she should just be sharing her story as far as this is what I was thinking and this is what what I did to overcome it to help other people out there that that may be struggling more with overcoming those types of thoughts. I have complex feelings on on this matter. One, like I'm I'm not sure if I if I, I look I agree with what you said uh, a minute ago about being a human being means that you're going to you know be down in the dumps and have, uh, I, I think that there's, in my mind, there's a, there's a far cry between like, like thinking like, Oh, I have nothing to live for. Maybe I should kill myself. And, you know, like try, literally trying to kill yourself and being at the point where you're actually going to try to kill yourself. I think suicidal thoughts are common in probably, uh, it, you know, almost every human being I would imagine. Right. It, I mean, maybe not, maybe I'm off here, but at some point in their lives, I, I mean, I feel suicide. that way. Yeah, I feel like suicide probably crosses most of our minds, but so I don't, I don't find it that unusual that that she had that thought. Uh, right, and that's what I'm saying. It's but, the reaction but, to those types of things that that is what defines you. I think. I guess my question to you is, is is her does does her notion of of being of expressing uh, the fact that she had suicidal thoughts after the fight mean that she should be impervious to criticism because her like the 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 thing that set in motion her her suicidal thoughts after the fight was it's it's driven by her own ego you know what i mean her her ego built up to the fact that she like didn't think that she could lose when she lost she's she's putting so much into like what the perception of her is as this unbeatable fighter that like that's why she had suicidal thoughts. She didn't know what to do with herself after that. If she wasn't going to be Ronda Rousey, this person who couldn't lose, then like, then she would, you know, what's, what's the point of living? Literally, that's what she said. And then she, she then said like, she wanted to live so she could, you know, have her boyfriend's baby. I I think she meant that somewhat facetiously, but, um, you know, maybe that was a big part of it. I, I guess my question is, is, her persona before that fight was so driven by by ego and like talking down to her opponents and talking about how she was the best ever. Do you think that like in in a way 
you know, saying afterward, you, you know, I'm suicidal, not necessarily intentionally, but I, I feel like people have sort of come out and, and tried to be like, well, like, look at how this has affected her. Like, you shouldn't criticize her reaction to this. But at the same time, I feel like if this was a guy in this situation, same thing, if, if Conor McGregor, the way, you know, the way he talks, loses a fight and talks about being suicidal, and, the, yeah, we're also talking about the fact that she's a fighter. She She's supposed to have the the persona of someone who's tough. And you can you can argue that, like, saying, hey, I want to kill myself is is something that you can call somebody out for being weak for. I don't know. I'm sort of, I sort of have so, all those thoughts swirling around in my head, as well as the thought of like, of like, yeah, I shouldn't, you know, take it lightly. But at the same time, I, I, I don't think it like absolves her from criticism. And I don't, I don't really want to. I'm not trying to say that having those thoughts is, makes you weak, or not being able to overcome them makes you weak. I, I'm saying that that it probably ha- means that you have a distorted view of everything around you, because taking your own life really affects a, a lot more than just you even if even if you think you're all alone uh it, it affects a lot more of the people around you than than just you so that's where I, there might be a disconnect for, for the people that actually follow through with that um and and the people who don't and who get close and don't um but just to put a little perspective on these types these things people ask Mike Tyson about about this uh, and that uh he he was saying that he thinks she just experienced a, a, a dark moment and it passed and she wanted to say something about it and decided to do that on Ellen, basically. Uh, and then when asked if he had ever experienced suicidal thoughts following a loss, Mike Tyson said, Come on, man. I have had thoughts after a win. Look at you. The man of many voices. Did you like that? Was that good? Yeah. Yeah. You thought that was a good one? All right, good. Yeah. No, but really, that's what he said. He said he had bad thoughts after a win. So, I mean, Mike Tyson, I can't even imagine the stuff that goes through that guy's head. So, I I, I just, I think that people made it kind of a big deal about this Rousey thing because it's a serious issue uh, that she brought up. But I don't think that her situation was all that serious uh, if if that's not sounding too harsh. You know what I mean? I think the issue is serious, but her specific situation as far as being close to suicide, it doesn't seem as though it, it was that um, realistic. It, is that is that a bad thing to say? Is that horrible? No, I don't I don't think it is because I'm I'm sorta of there too. And and I I feel like if it follows that it wasn't that close then I, I I feel like it shouldn't it shouldn't shield her from criticism. I guess that's that's where I'm at with it. Like I don't there, there are all these sensitive topics that we live live with now, and you know mental health is one of them. And I I feel like if somebody you know comes out and says something like that, people who like you know deal with legitimate issues. It's like we were talking about Delante earlier. Like I, the same thing applies to Delante. Like I wish him the best, and. Uh, he's ser- he has some serious mental health issues, but I don't think that absolves him for any decisions that he made uh, to to get him to this point. I, it's, it's a complex state of mind, but I, I think all of that goes hand in hand. I tend to agree with you. I'm not trying to shield her. I wouldn't. I mean, I hope that she's not trying to shield herself either, because if that's the case and her thoughts were 
relatively real, then she's not helping herself at all in that situation. Right. Right. All right. I think we're good with this. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, and we'll move on. Let's go back to uh, this one. Here's a fun, a fun, uh, fun topic. This one's gonna be fun. Here we go. Ready? Too many cooks. Too many cooks in Pablo Sandoval's kitchen, huh? Huh? See what I did there, Calvin? You know what? Pablo Sandoval really, uh, yeah, that's right. Pablo Sandoval, third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. He's looking pretty good in camp, right, Calvin? Looking pretty big. <laughs> pretty big. He does look pretty big. I mean, I I really think that Pablo Sandoval is going to come out of spring training and he's going to have lost all the weight. And, uh, Anything's possible! How, how, many, how many of these drops can I, can I get in uh, with pa- Pablo Sandoval jokes? How many? What do you think? Uh, you can get them all in, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> Pablo Sandoval Ray, claims that this, the team didn't ask him to lose weight at all, so he's not worried uh-huh. about it. Right. Yeah, what do you think? Did they ask him to gain weight? Did they ask him to gain weight? Because that's what it's looking like now. It looks like they gave him a a clause in his contract to allow him to gain weight and make money, which everybody wants, I think. I think that's what everybody in the world would like to do, right? Make money by gaining weight. Here's the thing, Ray. I'm 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 going out to the opinion again because it's fun for me. Uh, I don't think he should gain any weight. He shouldn't gain a pound. But I'm just going to say, nor do I think he should get skinny. You know why? You know why, Ray? Because, because fat baseball players, and even fat basketball players, but more, more morally, morally fat baseball players, they're not good once they get skinny. You signed this guy when he was fat. He's, he's still fat. You know, he's, what is he, 28? Like, his, his career is not going to last until he's 35 no matter what, right, at this point, even if he loses a ton of weight. I'm just saying, so, like, if he has if he has any chance to bounce back, it's just, it's a bounce back as a fat guy. I w- I would not expect skinny Pablo Sandoval to be good. I just think it's funny. Um, that that's all. I just think it's funny to see these pictures because people aren't talking about the fact that at the beginning of spring training last year, there was a picture quite similar to this one that went around with his gut hanging out. People got on him for his weight, and you know what? He was terrible last year. He was one of the one of the biggest uh, chokers and the and the biggest disappointments on the whole roster last year. So this is this seems to me like people for some reason are forgetting. I don't know why nobody has deja vu on this one. People are forgetting what happened last year. This is the same guy as last year, and maybe he gained some weight and people are upset about it. Uh, I think the problem though, Calvin, is that the manager John Farrell has flip flopped on this. And that is where the media is getting all hung up and why they're starting to talk about it and people are in, in an uproar. Uh, otherwise, I think it would just they would just toe the line and be done with it. At the beginning of the year last year, they said they didn't care about his weight. When he had a bad season, they said, uh, we're going to ask him to get into shape or in the off season. And 
now that he's come into camp out of shape, they're saying they don't care again. So the, the only thing that, that that concerns me about this is that I'm worried that Dave Dombrowski doesn't actually have the voice that I expected him to have as general manager or president of baseball operations or whatever his title is. They brought him in to make changes. It looked like he was trying to make those changes with the roster when he made moves for Craig Kimbrell and he signed David Price. And uh, he has done some things with prospects that people didn't really expect him to do right off the bat, but he's traded some guys off and shored up the bullpen aside from Kimbrell as well. So, but the point is that I'm just worried that Dombrowski is saying he's not concerned because the ownership and management is telling him to do so. And they're not letting him speak his mind like he may have in the past. And I was hoping that they were going to let this guy go at it and have his job with no strings attached and no muzzle and no reins on him. Just let, let him go to work. And if, if they're squashing him on this, like I'm speculating that they are, then where do they draw the line and, and how, how much leeway does he actually have? That's interesting to me because I feel like in Detroit, he, he seemed to rule with an iron fist. I'm still not completely sure, and I'm sure you know more, why did he, why did he leave Detroit for Boston? But was it the, the opportunity to have more money? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not more money to work with is what I mean. I'm not quite sure, and if what you're saying is, is true about him you know, losing well, some of the power that he had, I mean, he was he made all kinds of trades in Detroit. He doesn't seem to be nearly uh, as quick with the gun so far in Boston. Well, uh, he, I don't know if you remember this, but he was the GM for the Florida Marlins that won the title, and that was actually yeah. the, John, the John Henry Florida Marlins management group, ownership group anyway. So they they do have a relationship in the past, that might be part of the reason that he left Detroit to come to Boston. Um, but he was also released by the Tigers well before the Red Sox made uh, the decision. Oh, actually, you know what? The timing lines up pretty well. It's like two weeks between his release by the Tigers and the Red Sox announcing him as president of baseball operations. Um so maybe there was something in the works there, but I would guess that it's because he has a relationship with uh, John Henry in the past, and the Red Sox probably threw a number at him that he couldn't refuse. It's probably a, a godfather offer. Yeah, I, I, that probably makes sense. So, but the point is that I'm I'm a little concerned that that there, this is more of a. Like you said, he used to rule with an iron fist, and as far as the, the personnel is concerned, I think he sort of has had his way so far. I think he's made the moves he wants to make, but I just there's this this PR spin machine that the Red Sox have turned into in the past five to ten years, where they just want to make everything sunshine and, and bubbles and cotton candy over there, and. It, Sometimes you, you have to throw players under the bus if they're not performing. Sometimes you have to call guys out in the media, and that's the way it is. I don't, I don't know what's happened to the Red Sox and their media uh, goers, their beat writers, Calvin, but this media market, I don't know if you remember 15 years ago, this was a ruthless, brutal media market 
players did not want to be here because it was so rough. And now it just seems like it's it's all teddy bears and, and Cottonelle. It, it does seem to be a lot. It, it does seem to be a love fest. When I feel like when you guys were when you guys were losing, it was like everybody was angry about everything. And now now there's a lot more winning going on. It's like it's like the opposite. It's like they're super parochial and protective of all their dudes. Um, I, I have been fascinated with your management for a while because it, it's like one you, you you seem to have like a ton of moving pieces where like I'm, I'm not there's all there's always seems to be some sort of power struggle in the Red Sox management just since you know John took over yeah the Pino and, and Epstein like uh, always always a power struggle there which is interesting to me like the Dodgers have a million guys in management also but they all they all seem to be on like some sabermetric robotic same page whereas like in, yeah, in Boston, there's, there's all these interesting power dynamics that, that, that fascinate me. So uh, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, so Lucchino's gone, and now they've got Dombrowski. But this is this is what I'm saying is that while it seems as though he he has the roster that he wants, I just I'm I'm concerned that he's getting caught up in the hype machine, and if they brainwash him. That uh, maybe he'll start making bad decisions, and then it's a it, it could be a organizational problem that they that they can't get rid of, and then we might just see, see these issues because John Farrell is is already caught up in it. He's already making excuses and sort of backtracking on things that he said in the past. So um, I just I didn't I thought Dombrowski was going to be that that fresh voice who wasn't going to take any crap like that. And it seems like he's also now getting caught up in it, and that's concerning to me. I, I hope it goes away, um, and maybe it will if the team performs well. But I just I don't I don't see it happening. They're they're a twelve to one favorite to win the World Series, fourth best in the league, and I would have a hard time betting betting on them to win the division this year. Wow. Well, I, I, the division is still pretty weak, right? Or I, I guess the Blue Jays are probably yeah. the favorite still. Yeah. But that's the problem. It is weak, and I still wouldn't bet on them. Um, anyway. Uh, well, maybe you'll get lucky that Jose Batista will be unhappy. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of uh, of the Blue Jays, let's flip this last two and go to Batista, and we'll save the best for last. How about that? I forgot what was last. I'm, I need to look <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll drop it on you. You give me the Batista stuff, though. I think you know it better than I do. Well, uh, Batista, see, here's the thing. Jose Batista is, I keep saying here's the thing. I say that too much. Batista is 35 years old, right? He's trying to get a new contract with the Blue Jays. Reportedly, Batista wants a five-year, $150 million contract. Uh, But we we don't know that for sure. What we do know is Batista uh, has told reporters that, that they know what the number is, and he's not negotiating. Either they pay it or they don't. And I, I kind of like it, Murray. I kind of like a guy, like, it, it's like the guy who goes to to buy a car, you know, and he goes he, he goes to to the, uh, the Saturn place because he doesn't want to haggle. Remember Saturn? And he's like, yeah, he's I like, do. I don't know. I just want to. I want to pay this sticker price, and that's it. That's basically what he's doing right here. Now, if he says if if the Blue Jays say no, apparently he'll offer his services to another team, and that'll be it. He doesn't want to like all this back and forth. I I don't know. It's kind of refreshing to me. 
What do you think? Yeah, he he puts he, he puts it on their desk and says, "Here, you you make the call, and uh, let me know by the end of the day, whenever, whatever day it is, and uh, if not, thanks for everything. I'll see you later. I'll take my my bomb somewhere else." And I hope that does happen because I would really like to see what types of offers he, he gets on the open market uh, if he he decides to leave the Blue Jays because um, I think that maybe he's overshooting himself here, Calvin. Maybe his agents, whoever they are, are telling him a little that the number that uh, he's he's worth a little more than he actually is. I don't know if anybody really wants an aging superstar who is going to essentially be a DH after this year. I don't even know how much first base he was playing last year, but he's definitely not an outfielder anymore. Rui, what would you pay for Jose Batista? Let's let's keep keep this in mind. Jose Batista last year was freaking awesome, right? I mean, that's not a word. The guy oh, yeah. had forty, he had forty home runs, he had like what one hundred fifty RBIs. Like he's still a beast. The only question is how long? How much longer can he keep this up? Right. The age, that, that's the question. Yeah. And he made $14 million last year. So um, he's asking for um, double. He's asking for double his salary, basically, uh, over a five-year span. I would, if I was a team, I would almost be willing to pay Jose Batista like $35 million a year for two years. I'd give him seventy million for two years, but I'm not giving him one fifty for five. What do you think about that? Is that, is that insane? It might be. It might be a little insane, but I. Well, I, I mean, a lot of those a lot of those baseball deals are front loaded anyway. So I mean, if you if you can negotiate that with him, and maybe I don't know, he would be a fool to say that he wants one hundred and fifty million over five years on his terms, whatever they are. If the team comes to him and says we'll give you we'll give you eighty million in the first two years and then the rest over the next three, uh, he would be a fool to turn that down, right? So I hope that he's negotiable in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the team wants to front load it and they think they're going, he's going to perform, it'll always look better. But essentially, it's the same average value. So um, it, it's just a, bad, a matter of cosmetics, I guess stats compared to money. Yeah, definitely. I It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I'm a, a big fan of his. I hope he has another good year. He's definitely found a home in Toronto, so I'm not sure why he'd want to leave there, but maybe he feels like he, he can hit anywhere. If that's the case, then more power to him. Uh, finally tonight, Calvin, we have another fun topic here, and it, it was a... Uh, it was a party. It was a party on the cruise. That's right. I wish I had your soy fiesta. I don't. So I just play our party song. Too many, too many parties for Rob Gronkowski. Uh, have Have you heard the the slow rumblings of racism about Rob Gronkowski? Have you heard this? No. Tell me more. There was an article uh, that somebody for the Sporting News, which take that for what you will, that's that's quite the publication, the Sporting News, uh, put out there that I heard somebody was reading it on the radio this morning. I'm going to try and see if I can find it right now. But basically, 
they were saying that the fact that there's no outrage about Rob Gronkowski having a party cruise and reportedly offering a couple $10,000 to, quote, bang in front of everybody uh, is inherently racist because if a black person were to do the same thing in, in with the same fame that Rob Gronkowski has, they would surely be crucified for it. Uh, did did you, you you haven't heard anything about that? No, I have not heard anything about that. I mean, I think that there's there's a couple of reasons why Gronk can get away with it more than other people can, and I feel like the the main reason is is I mean let's be let's be honest, Gronk is an idiot. Oh, because it was advertised. It was advertised as a party cruise. Like this is a paid right. thing that people went on. Knowingly, knowing that it was a party cruise. Well, I, well, we need we not need to talk about that. Not all, not all <laughs> of the people, I guess. I, I was gonna say, that, that's what I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why Kronk didn't set up his his own cruise completely. Like that, it's still doable for Kronk. He probably could have gotten more people on board a cruise, right? The cruise that he could have filled out entirely himself. Can you, can you imagine, really, if you were just going on a cruise and, and the ground cruise ended up on your cruise? Would you... No, I, I, I can't know, imagine you, that. Would that, would be, that would be incredible. Really, would you go on the ground cruise? Um, I don't... I mean, I don't think I would pay for it. If I won a trip to the Grand Cruise, I would go on it. I wouldn't buy it. I don't. I don't think. Really, if Gronk offered you ten grand to have sex on stage, would you consider it? Yes. It would okay, probably be pretty enough. boring for the people out out there watching, but yeah, why not? That seems like a no-brainer. Ten grand is ten grand. Well, that's that's, that's I, some I think, good money, and I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Who doesn't like sex? I mean, except I actually, I can probably think of a couple of friends of mine that probably don't really like it that much. Uh, you you make you make some strong points, but I think uh, I think with with the amount of exposure going on, you you're pretty likely to end up on the internet if you are the couple that gets up on stage and has sex in that moment, right? Well, so yeah, the, but I mean, then then you're the the couple that got ten thousand dollars and. Probably, hopefully, spent yeah. it wisely. That's true, and you also a shining example of a committed relationship. Hopefully, that's, or, that's right. Yeah, a shining example or you're in big trouble. Yeah, right. or you're or you're in big trouble when you get home to your wife. Right. Or you're yeah, you know, or you're a single person having a good time. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Here's the yeah. No, I I don't think it's racist. I mean. Uh, when Sean McCoy threw that party in, in the off season where he he invited women only, he, you know, which is pretty funny. He like invited all all local women to show up for like women only, right. and he it's not like he got he didn't get crucified for it. Like people right. found it ridiculous. I I feel like people find the grunt crews ridiculous. But I well, well I don't know this guy, this guy whoever wrote this article and I'm looking at it right now and it is what I heard the radio guys talking about this morning. It, it's just. Uh, He's he's blatantly saying that race is the reason that we're not cru- crucifying Rob Gronkowski. It's it's pretty outrageous. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's necessarily the reason. I, I think the reason is again that, that Gronkowski's Gronkowski's like dumb jock routine is like it's it's funny to most people, and so I, I think he he gets away with things 
because he's like he's he's goofy. He's Gronk comes across as like a cartoon. Even though yes, offering offering ten thousand dollars to see two people have sex is not necessarily the most cartoonish thing. But so oh, you, he's also he's also dancing around like an idiot to techno music, you know? So That's, yeah, you know what's you know what's funny about this, Calvin, this whole article and I don't understand where this guy's going with it because I'm I'm sort of reading it right now. He's contradicting himself halfway through it because he re- refers to Johnny Manziel as well. And he's talking about the fact that we expect more from quarterbacks, more class, more leadership, more discipline. It's the nature of the position. That's why Johnny Manziel wouldn't get away with this either. Well, okay. Then why can't you just say that it's because Cam's a quarterback and Gronk's a dumb tight end? Why do you have to bring race into it? This, to me, sounds like Mr. Uh, Matthew Van Tyron, Van Tryon, uh, on the Sporting News, is, is the one that's, that's trying to bring race into this. And then he talks about the fact that being a quarterback is, is looked at as um, something that you need to have more class leadership and discipline for. And this is, he's basically creating a straw man argument that nobody's really saying. And then he's tearing it down and then contradicting himself. I just yeah, I don't understand where people like this get off. And I, we probably shouldn't even be giving him the light of day. But I, I figured it was good to tie into this topic because it just seems so outrageous to me. The Chinese Mansell thing is a great point because there's no better counter argument to that argument than like. Johnny Manziel like hasn't even really done anything. I mean, his his relationship with his girlfriend aside, like there's there hasn't right. been any direct evidence of, of you know physical violence between them, but it's 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 quite possible, and that uh, certainly deserves all the criticism it gets. But like, yes. but but what we're talking when we're comparing when we're comparing Johnny Manziel to Gronk, what we're mostly talking about is they both have the propensity to party and enjoy yeah, party. Yeah, party lifestyle. Johnny, yeah, Johnny, n- nobody gets crucified more than Johnny Mantell for enjoying a party. Johnny Mantell posted a, a, a short Instagram note where there's like one person in the background and he, yeah, and he had a beer in his hand and people were acting like it was the end of the world. And Gronk gets away with what he gets away with. So if Johnny Mantell is white, what if Johnny Mantell were white? Yeah, what if, what if Johnny Ma- what if Johnny Manziel was black? Well, then we, I guess this would this would be a totally racial racial thing, right? No. It'd be completely so, Mister Mister Sporting News over here uh, with the the headline quote Why can Why Cam Newton can't ask people on a cruise to cruise ship to quote bang in front of everybody? That's his headline. Why Cam Newton can't ask people on a cruise ship to bang in front of everybody? That's a great headline, my friend. You fail. You fail with your writing. It is horrible. You're contradicting yourself left and right. You're, you're building up arguments against yourself in your own article, and you are the one bringing race into this equation. It is you, sir, out there, not even listening to this show, but I don't care. I hope people listen to this and they read the article, and then they comment on it and they bash the guy because he's an idiot as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, could, could Odell Beckham do that? I feel like he probably could. Yes, yes, absolutely. He totally could. He could get away with it. He totally could. I just, and you know what? It's it's funny, Calvin, because NBA players, both black and white, get away with this stuff all the time. People don't care. It's it's like under a microscope because it's the NFL and things like that. 
and now the NFL is starting to be looked at as a as a role model for the nation and all this bull crap that they spew out of the offices over there. But players in the NBA get away with this stuff all the time. It doesn't matter what their race is. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter at all. Is that it? That is it. What a way to end. What a way to end the show. Good stuff. A lot of of fun topics tonight. A couple of sad discussions. But for the most part, we had a lot of fun. And thank you, Calvin, for for being there. And uh, let's see. I'll play a little Susan Wallman. Here we go. I'm one of the dramatic things I've ever seen. There we go. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend, Ray. We we traveled down the road and back again. (laughs) Your heart is true, Ray. You're a pal and a confidant. Are you going to keep going? (laughs) No, I'm good. All right. Then uh, that'll do it for us, I guess. Oh, is there anything else I need to plug here? Of course. Post-game show on Thursday. Nick Gelso and myself will be taking the Garden Report locker room, the Grandstand Celtics locker room report call from Justin Poulin, not from Jared Weiss this Thursday. Jared will be in the building, but Justin's going to be taking the locker room credentials for that part of the, the show. And uh, it's going to be I'll fun. Up, man. Nick Gelso and myself. Yeah, all-star lineup. Yeah. Thursday night after the Bucks. Be sure to tune into that one. And again, I mentioned Maybe earlier, call. check out the pregame show on CLNS Radio's mobile app. And uh, yeah, Calvin, give us a call for sure. We'll be there. We'll be, we'll be there ready, waiting to hear from you. I know Nick would love to hear from you. Um, we didn't get any calls tonight, but uh, when we do, it'll be the Seat Geek calls. And I'll tell you about that more on Thursday. Be sure to tune into that postgame show. Please. All right, Calvin. Talk to you later, man. Uh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Heard you. Of salt and laughter too. A scoop of kids to 